Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning everybody. It's absolutely fantastic to see you all. Welcome and a big welcome to everyone listening at home on our podcast as well. Are we all doing well this morning? Has anybody eaten an Easter egg yet? Sophie has. So has Pat. What sort of egg was it, Sophie? Was we can get away with it. Who, who's saving all the Easter eggs till Easter Sunday? We've got disciplined people in the house. Well done. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be carrying on our series, which is called The Final Countdown. And we've been looking at the last week in the life of Jesus, his final countdown. Now, I don't know about you, but this week, my children have been on a final countdown of breaking up for the Easter holiday. They've been counting down the days. It's been a long old half term. It's been about seven weeks, people. Seven weeks. Any teachers in the house here will be shattered. Yes, but now it's holiday. And sometimes we're actually on a final countdown, aren't we? Maybe if you're going on holiday, you're on the countdown. If you're maybe moving house, you're counting down the days. Maybe you're starting a new job and you're counting down the days we can find ourselves actually in countdown mode quite a lot of the time. My sister's getting married in June and we're going out to Italy and we're on the final countdown. How many weeks, how many days we're on a final countdown? And this series really, Dave kicked it off last week at looking at these last seven days of Jesus' life. And last week Dave shared a great message called RSVP. And Dave looked at the parable of Jesus inviting people, as it were, to a wedding guest. And Dave spoke with us how Jesus taught that you and me were invited to come on in into a relationship with Jesus. And not just you get the invitation, but actually Jesus wants you to pass on the invitation to somebody else. But today, We're going to be looking at something that happened during this week, in fact, that would have been recorded on the Tuesday. And today is actually Palm Sunday. It's a week until we celebrate Easter Sunday. And Palm Sunday, for any of you that don't know, was actually the time when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds, they were jubilant. They were so excited. And the Bible tells us that they were that excited that they lined the road where Jesus came in on the donkey. And they took palm leaves from the palm trees and they used them as flags. They used them like a sort of flags that were welcome. Jesus is coming. He's coming into Jerusalem. And they loved him. I mean, imagine the disciples behind Jesus. They probably thought, people, we've arrived. We've arrived. They're cheering Jesus. 
they must be cheering us as well because, you know, we're the 12 special men and the crowd's loved him. But life's got this funny way of sometimes things can turn very quickly. Ever happened to you? One day, everything's going good. Within 24 hours, 48 hours, it's a whole different story. Do you know what we're on about? Maybe suddenly it's a report from the doctor. 24 hours, your world turned upside down. Suddenly we can lose someone out of the blue. 24 hours, world turned upside down. And we're going to see in these next few days how suddenly from that cheering, those palm trees, we love you, Jesus. We're going to see how in just a couple of days, the tide starts turning. And it's not turning in what would seem to be favorable for Jesus. So we're going to be looking at something that happened. We've got Palm Sunday. We've got Monday which would have been the Tuesday. And on that daytime, the Bible tells us during Tuesday day, Jesus is out and the authorities, they start laying into him. They start telling him exactly what they don't like about his teaching and what he's doing wrong. And it starts getting really heated. But actually, it's okay because Jesus knew it was going to get this way. And Jesus is delivering his final parables, his final teaching to those that are listening. And you know what it's like. Maybe sometimes you've had a busy day and you're coming towards the end of the day and maybe you know, I'm going home or I'm going to my mum's house or I'm going to my friend's house or I'm going somewhere where you know you can come in through that door and when we get home, I love to the first thing I do is I take my shoes off, put them down, I maybe put my favourite pair of trousers on or whatever it is, and you know, I'm home. I'm home, and you get that feeling. And Jesus was going to some friend's house that when he walked in through their door, it was like, come on, let's get these sandals off. I've come home. Anybody got any friends like that, that you just love? Friends, family members, you've come home. And this day, this Tuesday, Jesus walks into the home of three very special friends. Martha, whose home it was. Mary, her sister. And Lazarus, their brother. And we're going to look for a few moments at what happened when Jesus walked in into the door of that home. So we're going to be reading out of a book in the Bible, which is found in the New Testament. It's called the book of John, and it records the life of Jesus. So come with me. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn to it. If not, no worries. It's up here on our screen. So this is John chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, 
But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. We'll pause for a moment. So some of us might know about this lady called Martha. Martha was always busy. Moms, does it sound like any of you? Like seriously, busy is my middle name. Martha was busy. She was serving. She got a great heart. She wanted to take care of Jesus. And this day is no exception. Martha's there. She's getting the food ready. She's getting the place settings ready. And Lazarus, he's just sitting with Jesus. Now, Lazarus had had a pretty life-changing experience. In fact, the most life-changing you can ever have. He died. A few chapters earlier in John, he was actually dead. Like, no pretending, he was gone. To the point where they wrapped him up. In those days, they'd wrap, put him in the tomb, stone him, and they were mourning. Lazarus, our brother, he's dead. And the Bible says that actually three days later, Jesus came. And Jesus was moved. He saw their grief and their sorrow. And Jesus called Lazarus out the tomb. And in fact, Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. So get this. A guy who died, that was put in a tomb, that has now been brought back to life, is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think I'd be sitting at the feet of Jesus as well if I was Lazarus. Actually, I don't think I'd be taking my eyes off Jesus because he brought him back to life. He got a lot of gratitude for Jesus. So they're getting the meal ready, but we need to know something about this meal because in those days, Jewish days, they didn't eat at a table and chair like you and me. They did it all different people. In fact, I think it's pretty cool how they did it. You see, in these days, when they ate a meal, they would sit on the floor. Maybe they had some cushions or some couches. And what they would do in Jewish times is they would scatter their cushions and their couches on the floor. And they would sit and they would have a low table on the floor where they would put their food. And in fact, what they would do is they would sit and they would recline on their left arm or elbow. And they would use their right hand to take the food and to eat. So I'm not going to do it full justice this morning. But they'd be lying out on their left. They'd be eating. And their feet would just be stretched out, sort of at the back of them. And that is how they would eat their meals. I quite think my children would like to eat how the Jewish people did. That is a pretty chilled out way of doing it. Very sociable indeed. So Jesus and his 12 disciples, they were reclining with Lazarus. Martha was getting the food ready. No sign of Mary. wonder where Mary's got to. Let's carry on and read from verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spinyard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. 
But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. You see, the disciples were around the table reclining, and suddenly Mary comes out with this ointment perfume, and she literally pours it all on Jesus' feet. Remember how they were sitting? She could get to his feet. She probably did it silently. Probably said not a word. And she poured this ointment on Jesus' feet. But suddenly, at the sight of this, something flares up in Judas. Why? What a waste. And we hear the rage in Judas's voice. But why? Just a bit of perfume, Judas. Chill out. It's okay. But actually, it wasn't a bit of perfume. You see, when we actually find out about this perfume, this ointment was extremely, extremely rare and precious. In fact, this perfume was actually grown on a plant in India. And it was, had something in it called nard, which would have to be extracted from these Indian plants and then transported by camels all the way over to Palestine, to Jerusalem. It had made a journey, and it was extremely rare. And we see that 300 denarii, Judas points out, that was worth, that's now on Jesus' feet and rolling onto the floor. And actually, when we work it out, friends, do you want to know how much this perfume is worth? I don't know what the most expensive perfume is. I've bought one of my favourite ever perfumes. It's Angel. Ladies, if you've never tried Angel, it's amazing. And we could spend maybe a couple of hundred pounds on a perfume, maybe more. But this perfume, 300 denarii, it actually translates to 23,000 pounds. It was a year's wages. 23 grand people, let's call it 20 grand, we'll round it off. 20,000 pounds was pulled out on the feet of Jesus. Now we're starting to understand why Judas reacted the way that he did. Just think what you could do with 20 grand. How many lives you could influence for 20,000 pounds. But you see, this perfume was clearly valuable for its price tag. But why else was this perfume valuable? Well, actually, where did Mary get this perfume from? Who has a £20,000 bottle of perfume in their home? <laughs> and, hey, you, you go. You go do your own thinking and digging around on this. But Mary's a Jewish lady. She's not yet married. 
and she's not got children. And in those days, Jewish ladies, when they sought to get married, they would have to bring a dowry to the marriage. The man would bring wealth and possessions, but a woman would have to take a dowry. Some of us, we know what dowries are because maybe we've been brought up in customs where we still take a dowry. And a dowry would be you take a financial gift to that marriage. And as a bride-to-be, you say, this is what I'm investing, as it were, into the marriage. Maybe that perfume was Mary's dowry. Maybe, actually, in that perfume, it represented her hopes for the future, her security for the future. We see from Scripture that actually Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, there's no sign of parents. Some think that their parents died many years before. If you were a parent and your son died, you turn up. There was no sign of parents. Maybe that perfume was Mary's inheritance. Maybe that was it. That was everything in that bottle of perfume. And we start to see it wasn't just worth something incredibly valuable in money. I've got a feeling that this perfume meant so much more, even to Mary. You see, but maybe Judas, maybe the onlookers were thinking, what are you doing, Mary? What are you doing? And why on earth are you doing it? And I believe Mary's response would have been, because I love him. Because he's done everything for me. Because he's changed my world. Because he's brought my brother back from the grave. Because before him I had nothing. And now I've got everything. Because now I see that without him life is useless and not valuable. Anyway, because I'm doing it because what else can I do to show him? how much I love him. And you see, I think that night there were 12 disciples that had been with Jesus for three years, but that night I think Mary was the one that really understood what was about to happen. She was starting to get it. And we see actually before this account, three times Jesus pulls his disciples together and he tells them really clearly what's going to happen to him. And actually, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 17, it says that Jesus, as he's coming up to Jerusalem with them, he pulls them aside. And he says, right, guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to rise again. And he actually pulls them aside for the third time. I mean, how clear do we want it? They still don't get it. They're still like, no, no, cool. look at the crowds on Palm Sunday. Of course not. But I think this night, Mary was the only one that knew. Our time is limited. He's going to go. He is going to die. Our time is limited. Mary was starting to get it. And Mary chose not to hold back. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back, Mary said, as she took the cap off the perfume. 
I'm not holding back as she broke the alabaster jar. I'm not holding back as she started to pour the first bit and then as she released the entire content. I'm not holding back. You guys, you can do what you want. But as for me, in this moment, I'm not holding back. I'm giving it my everything. And I want to ask each one of us this morning that are here, that are listening at home on podcast, how about you? Have we got any Marys in the house? Have we got any people here that want to aspire to be like Mary? That you want to aspire in every area of your life to say, God, I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not going to pull back. I'm not going to step back, but I'm going to aspire in my life to be a Mary, to not hold back. And this message today is simply called, don't hold back. It's simple, yet it's powerful. But we do hold back, friends. We do. Maybe you hold back because of fear. The unknown. How's it going to turn out if I do give it a go? Maybe sometimes you hold back because actually apathy. I can't be bothered. Do you hold back sometimes because of comparison? But there's somebody else, she can do, he can, they're better than me, they're more. Do you hold back because actually we want to be in control? We want to have it all around us. We don't want no freak surprises going on. Maybe some of us hold back because we just desire comfort. Don't mess my nest up too much. Because I like things in order and I like comfort. Maybe you hold back because of what everybody else around the table is going to think. Or what everybody else around the table is going to say. Why are you holding back, friends? Because if we're honest, let's be honest, we all hold back. And we hold back because actually there's a reason there's an issue that maybe we need to process with the Lord and process with the Holy Spirit. So if you, like me, hold back because of any of what we've just said, we're going to go back to this story and we're going to look at two keys, two things that I think we can learn from Mary that I pray are going to release you to not hold back and to go to your next level. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you still awake? <laughs> First thing, Mary made a decision that was premeditated. What does that mean? Well, premeditated means when you do something that you deliberately choose. You've thought it through. You've counted the cost, as it were. This is not some emotional 
goosebump, oh, I sort of have these feelings, I'll just do this. Something premeditated, you've thought it through. And you've made a decision ahead of time that this is my course of action. This is what I'm going to do. And this decision, this act of anointing Jesus' feet was premeditated. I mean, come on, let's think about it. Maybe Mary, a few hours before, is looking at this perfume, this ointment, and thinking, oh my word, am I really going to do this? Can I really go through with this? What is Martha going to say? It's going to kill Lazarus again. He's only just come back to life. But I believe that in the quietness of Mary's heart, she made a premeditated decision. This is what I feel compelled to do. This is what I'm going to do. And friends, I want to ask us all today, where in your life do you need to make a premeditated decision to not hold back? Maybe there's a decision that you keep putting off that you know God, Holy Spirit, keeps asking you to do. Maybe today you've got to make a premeditated decision. I'm not going to keep faffing around anymore and making the excuses. I'm going to do it. Maybe God has asked you to release something. Maybe it's time, money, gifting, and you're still holding back. Maybe it's time to make that premeditated decision. Maybe for you, you just simply need to forgive someone and release. And you need to make that decision to do that. Maybe you're here or you're listening and actually you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. You've not yet made a decision to say, yes, I'm going to stop holding back. I'm going to say, yes, well, the good news is in just a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to not hold back, but to come forward and to make a decision to say, I'm going to give you my life now, Jesus. I'm going to stop holding back. But where do you need to make that decision to not hold back? And just real quick, last year, for several months, I felt the Holy Spirit pouring an idea in my heart to start an alpha group in my home, in my kitchen, with some of the beautiful mothers that I've become friends with on the playground. And for weeks, I kept, mm, I need to pray about it a bit more. Mm, I need to wait till the weather gets warmer. Mm, mm, maybe I need to wait till there's more material. And one day I was praying about it again. And friends, sometimes God is a father. And sometimes dad has to be straight. And I was praying about this idea again. And I felt father by the Holy Spirit say, don't talk to me about it again. Just do what I've told you to do. I was put in my place that devotion time. Okay, God. I'm going to do it. Tomorrow I'm going to speak to people. And I did. I had to stop holding back. I had to make a premeditated decision. These are the people in my heart. 
These are the people I'm going to invite. If it's a total disaster, well, I've done it. I can wash my hands, I've done it. But if it's a success, praise God. His kingdom is being expanded. Cut a long story short. I had a friend who was brought up as a Muslim for many years. She did Alpha with me. She gave her life to Christ. She's now on an incredible journey. I met another young lady in Coventry City Centre. Another mom from the school, I invited her. She was actually a backslidden Christian from a small girl. She came back into the kingdom. They're serving God. I now have my beautiful friend Madeline with me, who's on a wonderful journey with Jesus. All because I decided I'm going to make a premeditated decision that is not going to hold back. Because, friends, seriously, what's the worst that can happen? Where do you need to make that decision? Secondly, Mary made a decision that was public. Mary did not hold back in this very public setting. Now, let me say, in these settings, women were second class. To be honest, you wouldn't really have been allowed to be around all these men. Sure, you could serve the food and you could wash the dishes, but... Really, this is a man's world. This is a man's world. But you know what our Jesus did? He broke every social barrier. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus took the hands of women and he lifted them up. He spoke as well to women as he did to men because he smashed every barrier. He smashed every barrier and he still does the same today. Whether you're rich, poor, educated, uneducated, male, female, slave or free, he doesn't care. He just wants you. And he wants your heart. And what Mary did, and we see it in the scripture, is she, as she poured this £20,000 bottle of perfume, she let down her hair. Now, it's important that we know, in this Jewish culture, women would never let down their hair. It would always be tied back. They would never let it down. Why? Because it was their glory. It was their identity. And it was only meant to be kept for their husband. But this day, Mary let down her hair. And she started just bathing Jesus' feet with her hair. And you know, you could hear, you could probably hear the whispers. The hair. The hair's coming down now as well. First it was the perfume. No, the braids are coming out. No, get the clips back in, Mary. She didn't care. She didn't care, friends. She didn't care what everybody thought. She didn't care about the whispering. She didn't care about any of that. All she cared about was, I want to show Jesus how much he means to me because he's saved my world. He's saved my life. And friends, you and me, we need to go public with our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to go public in our faith, not undercover, not in shh, 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 
gosh, they might see me talking about Jesus. Not in secret. We need to go public with our faith. Because this is a public decision. And yesterday, 27 of our fantastic men, women, boys and girls put on these t-shirts and went out on these beautiful streets with our one project. And what did they do? They went public. And I want to applaud. Let's applaud one another this morning. And friends, I want to say to every single one of you that did not hold back, but went public, well done. Well done. You're amazing. And for some of you, it was a mighty big deal. It was a big deal for Dave to be dressed in the Easter chick outfit. <laughs> it was a big deal for all of us, friends, because we're all learning. None's the pro, but you went public. In this church, we are passionate about baptism. And under this very tank is a baptism of Paul. Why do we do full immersion here? Because we believe we've got to go public with our faith. When we find Jesus, we don't hide it and slam the door in, put him in the cupboard. We go public. And baptism is a wonderful way of inviting your friends and family and saying, I'm going public about this. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed. And friends, if you're here, and you're deciding to say yes to Jesus, and you've not yet been baptized, I want to encourage you, why don't you make a premeditated decision that says, I'm going public, and I'm going to go through the waters of baptism. Come on. Because in the next few months, it would be the pleasure of Dave and I and your family to open his tank. Fill it with heart, not cold water, David. And baptize people who were saying, I'm going public. I'm going public. And you see, we're going to be celebrating this cross on Good Friday especially. Jesus did not go private about his love for you. He went public to that utter degree. Crucifixion was the most public. It was the most humiliating way that any person could be killed. There was nothing private about his love. They did not take him out to a yard alone, him and his mom or his followers. It was public, utterly. But I believe God chose it like that because God wanted all the world, you and me included, to see, this is how much I love you. I'm going public. So if he's gone public for you, friends, can you go public for him? Can you not hold back? Can you go public for him? Maybe going public for you means to start worrying about what everybody else is thinking or saying about you. If God's put something on your heart, don't hold back. Forget about the whispers that may or may not be happening at your table. Maybe for you to go public means to pray out loud for the first time. To be more expressionate in worship. If you're looking for a church that expresses worship privately and silently, then you've come to the wrong place, friends. Sorry. This isn't the one for you. 
This is not our expression. Because we want to express our worship. We want the culture in this house to be one of public expression of our love for Jesus. That means to make a noise. That means to clap our hands. That means to raise our hands in worship. That may mean for you to move around because it's about a public expression. That is who we are. That is the church God has called us to be here. We want to be public about our love for him. How do you need to go public? And finally, Mary's premeditated and public decision permeates. And in verse 3, it says that the fragrance filled the house. It filled the house. And when we surrender, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you do what we've been talking about, when you decide not to hold back, guess what starts happening? There's a fragrance that comes out of your life that starts filling the house. It starts filling it, friends. When you're living that colleague at work, when you're praying, when you're stepping out, when you're sharing your faith, when you're acting in obedience, when you're letting go, something starts happening. There's a fragrance, sorry. (laughs) There's a fragrance that starts filling the house. And in 2 Corinthians, 15, 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16, it says, it's as far as God is concerned, there is a sweet, wholesome fragrance in our lives. It's the fragrance of Christ within us, an aroma to both the saved and the unsaved all around us. To those who are not being saved, we seem a fearful smell of death and doom, while to those who know Christ, we are a life-giving perfume. But who is adequate for such a task as this? You're adequate. It's you. Friends, there's a perfume that God wants to release out of your life. There's a fragrance. And I don't know. I'm going to look out and I'm going to say, maybe there's 40, 50 adults here today. And when I was praying about this message last night, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Leanne, Just imagine if every person is just holding back on one thing. There's going to be more. Let's just go with one thing. And let's say there's 50 people. That means, friends, we're holding on to 50 things that God wants to bring into his kingdom. We're maybe holding on to 50 life-giving conversations. 50 life-giving encounters, maybe 50 dreams that are in that Ebronic stage, 50 things, because the fact is, you and me, we're probably holding back on a lot more than one thing. You know where you are, you know what your life is, and real quick, last week, 
I had a parents' evening at school and Isabella's teacher was leaving Friday. And that day, I was due to meet with her and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that afternoon, when you go and see this teacher, at the end of that conversation, Leanne, I want you to offer to pray for her. I had to make a premeditated decision that I was going to keep my little ears open and be obedient. And we chatted through Isabella's report and it came to the end of the conversation and she told me she was moving on and X, Y, Z. And and I just said to her, we're going to miss you and look, I've, I've just got this thought in my head. I said, how would you maybe feel if I just say a really quick prayer for you? I said, I'm not going to close my eyes and I'm not going to go strange. I said, I'd just love to pray that God helps you in your new school. And she said, nobody has ever in my life offered to pray for me. She said, I would absolutely love that. And we sat in that class, normal, eyes open. And I prayed that God would give her strength and wisdom as she goes to a challenging situation to serve. And at the end of that prayer, she looked up at me and her eyes were full of tears. And this is someone, friends, probably in their 40s. And she said, no one's ever prayed ever for me. She said, and that was one of the most special moments I've ever had in my life. And she said, you will pray for me when I, I'm not here anymore, won't you? And I said, I will. And you've got my email if you want to send through any more prayer requests. But friends, here's the thing. In years to come, she'll probably forget me. She'll forget any words I said to her but she won't forget the fragrance of Christ. She won't forget the fragrance that touched her life that day. And I just want to invite you now in this moment to respond, to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you want to say yes to him for the first time ever. Maybe you're already a Christ follower, but you want to say yes to him again that you don't want to hold back and I'm not going to invite you to stand or to come forward I'm going to simply invite you where you are in a moment just to raise your hand and I just want to say a prayer for you that I'm going to invite you to say with me and after me so I'm going to invite every eye to close you may want to bow your heads and if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning and respond to him in any way just raise your hand now right where you are that's fantastic that's awesome thank you that's brilliant that's wonderful excellent brilliant brilliant let's pray together and repeat after me dear God Let's all join in to encourage one another. Dear God, I want to thank you that you love me. I want to thank you you want to be part of my life. I ask that every day you'd give me a fresh start. That I'd see what you did for me on the cross. And I'd live my life in a way that doesn't hold back. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen. Come on, let's applaud these wonderful people that responded. enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.